Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice, Joe Biden, and the 1994 Crime Bill, a special bonus about the crime bill that Joe Biden has always claimed credit for passing. With Joe Biden and Donald Trump running for president and the race coming down to the last few days, uh, some voters remain stuck on a piece of law from 26 years ago, the 1994 crime bill, which then-Senator Biden had a major role in crafting and passing. He was then chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He has often, across his career, claimed credit for that bill, said it's the Biden crime bill a few times. And a lot of folks just find it too difficult to pull the lever for Joe Biden because of this. The problem is that this bill helped fuel mass incarceration at that time and even for some years afterwards. And that gives a lot of voters pause. On both the criminal justice point, more mass incarceration, Joe Biden was for that, and on a deeper racial justice point. Of course, mass incarceration uh, had at its root the disproportional incarceration of black men and, to a lesser extent, black women. Black people disproportionately impacted by the emphasis on imprisonment. And therefore, a lot of folks have real difficulty supporting Biden. Let's take this apart. I'm not trying to do an editorial for Biden here, nothing like that. I do think it's worth looking at these claims critically. Now, two facts here make the argument that Biden has a lot to answer for compelling. First fact, this bill did create some new federal crimes, new federal offenses, and it did toughen federal sentences for some existing crimes. Again, effects on the prison population. The prison population goes up and disproportionate effects on black and brown people. Second compelling point, there was eight or nine billion dollars in this bill to be given to states so that they could build more prisons. And you got to know the iron law of corrections is that if you build a prison bed, it's going to be filled. And that certainly happened on the state level. And the bill also contained, as a third point, funding for 100,000 new police officers. Now, this was the pet project of then-President Clinton. He wanted this, pushed for it, his folks formed it, and they got it as part of this bill. So, here are several reactions to those points. First off, I think you have to understand uh, that it is misleading on a certain level to think that federal action drives the mass incarceration system, drives the criminal justice system in general. The federal system, especially the federal correctional system, is large, but not anything like the size of the states. The states are where the criminal justice action is at every level, whether you're talking about policing, certainly, prosecution, imprisonment, all of that, all the state systems collectively, and even some of the larger states dwarf 
the federal system as far as an influence. The federal system and federal laws kind of set the headlines very often because everybody can cover Congress, right? Mitch McConnell this, uh, Chuck Schumer that, you know, all of that. Uh, But, you know, that's really not the main game. It never has been, though it gets most of the attention because that's where the media likes to look. So I would discount that to some extent. It is certainly true that that greater number of federal crimes and the greater federal punishment did make things worse within the federal system, but it is the federal system and therefore discounted. The money to state prisons was a big deal, and it did drive state incarceration policies because when they're going to get federal money to build their prisons, they can just fill up more prisons. So that was something really to consider. But here are here's some more things to consider, too. There were other things in that same bill. It was a big, sprawling, complicated bill that went in many different directions, had many different sponsors and people getting in on the action from various directions. Remember that 1994, this country was still really gripped by high crime as a political and social issue. It was killing communities. People wanted something done. It was having the greatest impact in black and brown communities, and they wanted something done. And that only hints, I think, at a larger point. Among the other things in this bill, Biden's own centerpiece of the bill, the thing he really wanted and and was most uh, influential on was the Violence Against Women Act. That was part of the 1994 crime bill, too. Also, in that same bill, the pattern or practice law. Now, you may know this law by the, the title consent decree. Right. There is now a provision in federal law that allows the Department of Justice to come into any police department in any city or town in the country, do a complete investigation, present its findings and go to federal court if necessary to get systemic changes in the local police department. Everything from the disciplinary system to stop and frisk to racial profiling, you name it. Of course, they don't usually have to go to federal court because the city, the police department, and the federal government settle in the form of a consent decree. And these consent decree cases have been brought all over the country for many years. Not during President Trump's presidency, of course. But before that, Pittsburgh had the very first consent decree case, the very first one. Uh, And they have been everywhere in the time since, uh, from Baltimore to New Orleans to Seattle to Philadelphia to D.C., uh, you name it, these things have changed a lot of police departments for the better. Now, there's real debate about whether the reforms stick, whether something better could come along, but this is one of the fundamental and best tools we have, in my opinion, and they have resulted in positive changes. This bill, this part of the 1994 crime bill was sponsored by representatives John Conyers and Jim Clyburn 
of South Carolina, who is still in the Congress. John Conyers died uh, not long ago. Uh, but this was the piece of that bill that they really wanted. And it's everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need when you need them most straight to your door. Now, when my family had the job of selling our family home after it was empty, we knew we needed a security system we could count on. My brother, the electrician, the guy who's the most tech-savvy of all of us, he recommended we go with Simply Safe, and boy, am I glad we did. It was easy, it was affordable, and it was good. It performed, and we were safe. Simply Safe protects every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in just 30 minutes. It's really easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment they get an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract. There are no hidden fees and no installation costs. Right now my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/injustice. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/injustice for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe s i m p l i S A F E that's simplysafe.com/injustice It's done some good. And then there's this to consider too. You know, Biden as chair of Senate Judiciary may have led that committee and he's claimed credit and lots of it over the years. But you have to remember how widely supported the 1994 crime bill actually was. It was supported by everybody, by everybody. The Republicans supported it. But people across Biden's own party, I told you about uh, um, uh, uh, Representative Clyburn and Representative Conyers, they were for it because their provisions were in there. And it had wide, wide support in the American black community. Uh, this included their leaders in Congress and outside of Congress, too. That was the point of the Pulitzer Prize-winning book, Locking Up Our Own, by James Foreman, Jr. Foreman, who is now a law professor, uh, he was a criminal defense lawyer, and he was curious on some level about the mass incarceration explosion of the 1980s and 90s. How did this happen? Uh, how did it come about that we all kind of collectively lost our minds and decided that locking up millions of our fellow citizens was the answer to crime? Um, and uh, he looked at this quite critically and openly, and he was surprised to find that among the most vocal supporters for these tough-on-crime bills generally, including the 94 crime bill, 
were black communities and their leadership, thus the title, Locking Up Our Own. They were sick and tired of being the victims of surging crime in their communities. They wanted something done, anything done. And this was one avenue that was open. It was certainly not the only choice, but it was one way to do something. So Biden and the crime bill, yes, a troubling connection in certain ways. But to be realistic, the blame has to go to more than just Biden, despite his widely claiming credit. There's plenty of blame to go around. As a country, honestly, we should start by looking in the mirror at ourselves, at all of us, because it was a whole country systemic failure. That's what it was. Um, Biden may have been happy to have his name on it in certain ways, but he was not alone in cheering this on. That's it. Your bonus episode about Biden and the 1994 crime bill. You can always find all of our news bonuses, our interviews with criminal justice system actors and activists by going to our website. That's criminalinjusticepodcast.com. It's all there and you're welcome to it. We are listener supported here. If you'd like to help support us, go to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice. I'm David Harris and I'll be back with you next time.